Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 36, The Mystery of Heaven, Part 2. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello, and once again, welcome to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that tells you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Hello, Zena. Hi. Happy to have you with us today. Are you ready for the red pill, Zena? I am always ready for the red pill. Well, we've been talking about heaven. We have. And the mystery of heaven. Uh, as we said before, uh, a lot of people kind of think they know something about heaven, but there's things in the Bible that I'm not sure people are aware of. Yes. So we're going to discuss those mysterious parts about heaven. And I think today we're going to get into the new heaven. We sort of teased last week. We did. Where we left off. We were kind of having a discussion about what we might be like in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, with new bodies and hopefully more hair. <laughs> on the top of our heads and right. things like that. And so we're going to go right to the scriptures today. And by the way, I want to thank everybody for, um, as you recall, uh, by the time they hear this episode, we have already appeared on the Coast to Coast program Yes, with George Nuri, and he was just a gracious host as always. The team there is fantastic. So I want to thank them once again. But we got a wonderful boost from the show, and I'm pr- happy and proud and uh, praising God to admit that we're now at 15,433 subscribers. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, guys. Yeah, we really thank you. A lot of great comments from people. People love you, as they always do, and they say, <laughs> and they want more of you. So we're going to talk, we briefly talked about this. We're going to plan to do a live event sometime soon. Yes. Where Zena and I will be on video. We're going to read some of these wonderful questions you're sending to mm-hmm. us. Keep them coming. Thank you for that. Yes. And then we're going to kind of try to answer some of them, you know, live on the air in sort of an impromptu, informal sort of fireside chat kind of thing. Yes. So please keep your questions coming in. Absolutely. We love them. And there's some great stuff. We'll pick them out. We won't try to, we won't read your whole name or something. We might just mention like Joe and Albuquerque or whatever, <laughs> uh, but we'll want to let you know that we, uh, we got your question and we appreciate it. So anyway, the new heaven, Zena, are you ready for that? I am. I want to know what the new heaven is. Why is there an old heaven is right. the real question. That's a great question, too, because it really does tie back into the beginning when we started the podcast about heaven. You know, we talked about in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So that was the old heaven, if mm-hmm. you will. But we also discussed something happened. Yes. The fall of Lucifer. The sinisterness. The sinisterness, yeah. The rebellion of the angels. Yes, and how God had to put up that sea of glass to Mm -hmm. keep out all of negative energy and Lucifer. That's right. Everywhere. That sea of glass is that thing that separates God and his perfect third heaven Mm -hmm. where his throne is from the tainted creation that we now see. Yes. And someday that creation is going to be released from that bondage of sin 
and restored in the new heaven and the new earth. So we'll, um, it's interesting you mentioned that C because the very next verse we're about to read mentions it too. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's uh, Revelation 21, verse 1. And we read, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And this is John writing as, remember, he's been in heaven recording all of these events mm -hmm. and looking down on the earth as he records some of them that unfold there too. But he's on the floor of heaven. And then he says, behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And it has to be that it's the sea of glass. Yes. Because that would be the thing that's separating God from us. Mm -hmm. And why would there be no need for oceans on the new earth? You know, I, I tend to plan to learn how to surf one day. <laughs> and it's going to take right? me an eternity to do it. Yes. <laughs> so, and then he says in verse 2, in the best part, And I, John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And that's the biggest beauty of it all, that there's no longer anything separating us. By the time this happens, the Lord actually comes down to dwell with all mankind. Yes. And even though Israel has had God dwelling in the midst of them for a thousand years prior to this, in that newly built temple, and we'll get into things about the temple one day in a podcast, mm -hmm. but um, this means there's God dwelling with all humanity. No separations, nothing. And the best part is verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall they be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So everything that we can think of that's bad, because there's a lot of bad oh, yes. in the world, in, in the history of this world, we won't even remember it. All we're going to think of is joy and peace and love and fellowship and and in probably ways we can't even imagine. That's wonderful. It, Nothing but positivity. Absolutely. So it's wonderful. And the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, but even the Old Testament scriptures foretell of this new heaven. Mm -hmm. And we'll go to Isaiah to see that because we, we want to put together all the pieces of the puzzle if we can and get the perfect picture. If, 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 and God wrote it down for us to do that, so let's do it. <laughs> so it's Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 17. In verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So that idea of, you know, old things are passed away, is we won't even have to think about it anymore. I, I think when God wipes away the tears, he alone is going to be able to say the words or do the thing that will cause us to no longer feel the pain of the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't imagine what that would be, but because he's God, he can do it. He can do anything. Right. That's right. So I look forward to that day. And then another, the last chapter of the book of Isaiah, interestingly enough, the new heaven is referred to in the very last book of the Bible. And I often say that the book of Isaiah is very interesting in the parallels because there's 66 books in the Bible. And a lot of people don't realize this. And sometimes, you know, we, we get brand new listeners that may have not heard us say things before. So I don't mind repeating them. You've heard them. Some of our other listeners have heard them. But the Bible's not just one book. And it's not just two sections, Old and New Testament. It's literally 66 different books written over a period of like 2,000 years. It's amazing. And when you think about it, they all fit together and people that never knew each other and lived on different places. I mean, that's astounding. Only God's yeah. spirit could do that. 
But the book of Isaiah, interestingly enough, has 66 chapters. And each chapter almost corresponds with each book of the Bible. It's really amazing. Really? It's like he laid it out to say, just like to throw the mathematicians a little game. <laughs> hey, let, put, put this one to your number crunchers, you know. <laughs> but in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 22, we read these words. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And the seed and the name he's referring to is Israel. Mm -hmm. And it shall come to pass, verse 23, that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So we're still going to have a moon. We're going to still have the sun. We're still going to keep days, months, years. We're, there's going to be a calendar uh, forever, which is amazing to think about. Why would yeah. you need to keep time in, in forever? <laughs> but God's going to do that because he even set in motion things like Jewish feasts and festivals that occur at a certain part of the year. And that's going to be forever. They're an ordinance forever. You know, so the sun, moon, the stars will all be there. You know, the only thing missing is the sea and it's not the oceans because why would God, one of the most majestic creatures that God ever made was a whale. Have you ever been to SeaWorld? I have not been to SeaWorld. Oh, come on. Say <laughs> I have. Okay. So to my defense, when we were supposed to go to SeaWorld, in elementary school, there was a bunch of bad kids that just ruined it for everyone. So, Aww. like, we didn't get to go. So, no. Rats. I've never been to SeaWorld. Well, shame I on will... the bad kids. I, I, want their, I want their names. I'm going to write their mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've been a couple of times. But, you know, here we live near San Antonio, which has a SeaWorld, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the most amazing things to do is just to go watch the, the small whales that they train, like the killer whales. And mm -hmm. they, they have some pilot whales. I forget what they are. But... Um, they do a little show and the trainers come out and there's music and they kind of train them to do things. But it sort of takes your breath away. You don't realize how powerful these things are until they get that close to you. And they'll like hop up on the little ledge close enough to the, um, to the audience where they can spray water on them, you know. Wow. And things like that. And you sort of, your heart just kind of goes, wow, I feel so small. <laughs> compared to that. And these aren't even the biggest whales. Really? You know, like the blue whale or something is the oh, largest yeah. oh, creature that ever lived. Yeah. So I imagine if you could see one in the water or see one breaching the ocean, you'd probably just pass out, you know, <laughs> just to see the majesty <laughs> of it, you know. And so to me, I can't imagine a planet without those. Yeah. And they need oceans. They right? do. So I don't believe for one minute he's saying there's not going to be an ocean. I believe it's the sea that, just like you said, mm -hmm. the sea of the crystal sea. So he's going to make them. They're going to remain before him. We're going to observe times. And then it, it disappears in, a, in almost a violent way, but it's because if nothing's going to be remembered and all the bad's going to be cleansed away, so to speak, the best way to do that is to melt it down to where there's nothing left. You know, and we read about that in the book of Second Peter, chapter three, and verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Can you imagine the elements melt with a fervent heat? The earth shall be burned up, seeing then, verse 11, that all these things shall be dissolved. You think of dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer tablet in a liquid, you yeah. know? Yeah. Dissolve, like completely disappears. No <laughs> longer a tablet, no longer a little globe. 
He says, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be at all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So it's all going to go away, but then you think, well, God, that's the bad news, but verse 13 is the good news. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So there'll be nothing but righteousness. Wow. It's pretty amazing. But it's, it's kind of astounding to think about the fact that he's going to turn what is here now that, that has the bad in it, and he's going to purge it with fire, burn it up. Remember, the first world that got corrupted by Lucifer, he purged with water. Yes. And then he did flood the earth again in the days of Noah to get the Nephilim and whatnot. But um, the last destruction of the earth is going to be both the heavens and the earth burned up as if to say, I've got to rid myself of every taint of sin, corruption, deceitfulness, lies, hate, pain, prejudice, whatever there was there, whatever mm -hmm. Satan introduced into the universe is all going to be gone because he's going to be gone. That's true. Now I did have a question. So with the last flood with Noah, you know how we always see a rainbow. Is that God's way of saying like, I'm not going to flood the earth again. That's right. And that's probably another reason why the renovation here has to be with fire okay, and not with water. And you know, when you think about it, it's a good question because a rainbow is, I don't know the full science behind it, but I think it's something of a prismatic effect mm -hmm. of sunlight coming through the water droplets. Yes. And therefore it, it splits the light into the seven colors, mm -hmm. you know, Roy G. Biv. <laughs> Red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, violet, whatever. What I, we used to learn that when we were kids. <laughs> well, if there had been rain on the earth before the flood of Noah, mm -hmm. everybody's seen a rainbow before. Very true. And if he's saying, this is the token of my promise that I'll never do this again, the people on the earth would have gone, wait a minute, we've been seeing that for a thousand years. Yeah. That's no promise. Mm -hmm. You know, but so what does that tell us? It had never rained before. So imagine a planet up till the days of Noah, all the centuries that men lived on this earth, it had never rained a drop. Wow. The world was so different at that time. Men only ate plants. Animals only ate plants. They didn't eat each other. Wow. So we were vegan back then. We were strictly vegan. <laughs> Absolutely. My daughter would have loved it. Yes, she would have. <laughs> and, uh, and so in the coming... Um, millennial reign of Christ when he comes back to the earth, even though it's before he makes a new heaven and a new earth, it's a picture of the coming new heaven and the new earth. And guess what happens during that time? Animals don't eat each other. It's going to switch back to, it's like it's making its move back to the original plan. Okay. Because when you think about it, even though by design now a predator chases the prey and that's yeah. his meal or her meal, it was, it's still death. And there's going to be no more death. So if animals, you know, if they're not going to die, they can't eat each other. That's true. Do you think that we will have an issue with overpopulation of animals? Like, you know how we have an issue with deers? Like, there's so many of them. True, especially in New Braunfels, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, God has already factored in. So one thing is, you know, they're not dying. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine gestation periods which is the time it takes for an animal to conceive and give birth. Mm -hmm. You know, for humans, nine months. Yes. For an animal, maybe shorter if they're a rabbit or longer if it's an elephant. 
Oh my God, it's like three years for an elephant. Is it? Yeah. Oh, crazy. Well, I had no idea. <laughs> well, obviously God can increase that. Because, you know, you think about it. Somebody once did a study and they, they think, well, this is not thinking, but this is a scientist talking. Mm -hmm. Human beings do not synthesize vitamin C. Okay. We have to consume it mm -hmm. in our diet. And in most cases, we don't eat enough foods that have vitamin C to get an adequate supply every day. So it's recommended that you supplement but you think of something like a male silverback gorilla, a pretty big animal, yeah, you know, like a thousand pound gorilla, or maybe they're not quite that big, but they just eat vegetables all day long. They eat leaves they of a tree all day long. <laughs> and their body synthesizes 8,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And that's more than most people get in a month. Yeah. More, much less maybe a year for some if all they do is eat Whataburger. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Listen, I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> so these scientists say that, well, human beings have a genetic defect in that we don't synthesize vitamin C from our food, so it's better to supplement. Well, is it a defect or did God design it so that when Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something genetically changed in his body and he could no longer do it and therefore we don't live as long? It's a thought. Mm. It's a thought. And is it possible that that's just one idea? There could yeah. be many other things that mm -hmm. God will alter. But maybe in our new bodies, when we eat the tree of life, we'll be able to synthesize vitamin C again. Maybe. Something like that, you know? So it's, it's interesting to ponder science mm -hmm. and the Bible, you know? Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game. And we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true. So you can help us use the satanic global elites own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries premium podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. But anyway, all that being said, there's no telling what God might do to change us for the better and put us the way we were before Adam sinned. So the animal kingdom would be that way too. Yeah. So back to your point about overpopulation, I suspect he's got that all figured out. Either animals will produce far less, or what's the likely event is, and I, I like to talk about this because I love Star Trek, <laughs> okay? So, you know, Jean-Luc Picard and Captain Kirk, they go uh, traveling and venturing through the stars, going to other planets. Well, what if God's going to give us the skills and the ability to do that? And as we go and we discover worlds, we're not going to find alien races. There's only human beings mm -hmm. besides the angels, you know. So we're going to go populate those planets and maybe be bringing animals to them. 
Maybe and he filling is. up, and maybe in the new heavens and the new earth, the new earth, there won't be so many planets that are not inhabitable. That's true. And we'll have bodies that can travel faster than the speed of light, or something. Who knows? You know, that'd be awesome. It's really great to think about, to ponder what, what we'll be doing, and maybe we'll be bringing the humanity forever to worlds. Because when you think the universe is infinitely large, yes, there'll be no end to the to the growth of humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll cl- quickly fill up one world and need to go to another and another and another and another. Very true. So that's one possibility. Now, remember we talked about Abraham had known about this city. Yes. And we didn't go into great detail, but we're going to do that now because since... Isaiah talked about God's going to make new heavens and a new earth. He didn't mention New Jerusalem in chapter 65 and 66. Mm-hmm. But evidently, Abraham knew about New Jerusalem. We don't know how, but the Hebrew author says he did in chapter 11. So we'll turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Notice verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive foreign inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. Now, not everybody that is listening to us today knows the whole story of Abraham. So just to give it a very, there's a lot about Abraham, but the, the, the gist of the matter here is he lived in a city called Ur, which was in Mesopotamia, what we would today call modern Iraq. He wasn't anywhere near Israel. Okay. But the land of promise God told him to go to was what would become Israel. It was Canaan at the time, and the Canaanites lived there. But Abraham went out, and he didn't know whether he, where he was going to go. But a lot of people get the next part wrong. Okay. Verse 9 says, By faith he sojourned, which means he was like a pilgrim. He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now, he dwelt in the land of promise as a stranger. Mm Mm-hmm. And he dwelt in tabernacles, which is tents, basically a tent. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, Zena, but Abraham was a rich man. I did not know Abraham was a rich man. He was one of the wealthiest men of the East of the old time. So he could have built a palace if he wanted to. If you had, if you won the Texas lottery, would you live in a tent by the river in a van? Um, You see, I would be very... Very much a cheapskate, so <laughs> I could I could see myself living in a decked out van. Yes, right in a decked out van. <laughs> and and the thing is, it's not that if you won the lottery, you would turn around and build the Taj Mahal. Right? But if you lived in a pretty ratty old place, you'd probably upgrade your living. Very right? true. And and if, if I know some people, like my wife, wouldn't consider camping for one moment. <laughs> if it was glamping, she'd do it. That's the best thing to do. Wi-Fi, air conditioning, internet, all that. You know, she needs that TV. But, um, you know, she wouldn't anymore live in a tent for more than a day if she had to, you know. <laughs> well, and I'm not fond of being without those things either, right? <laughs> you know, not, I'm, not, I'm not some rugged mountain man. But I would certainly probably improve my situation if I could. Well, Abraham could have done it 10 times over, but he lived in tents. So the question is why? He's you're very humble. You're in the land of promise. <laughs> yeah. Why are you traveling and living as a pilgrim in tents? And here's the reason, verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, he, if he's looking for the city that God made, he doesn't consider the land of promise his home. Yeah. He's looking for something else. Now, the land of promise is important, and it is part of God's covenant with him and the nation Israel. Mm-hmm. And they are going to get that land, and we've mentioned that before. Yes. But if we keep reading, watch what happens. 
verse 11, through faith also Sarah, Abraham's wife, received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. She was almost 90 years old because she judged him who him faithful who had promised. In other words, she considered it. God said, I can do it. Then I can do it. And she did. She conceived and bare Isaac at 99 and Abraham was 100. Yeah. Wowzers. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So she went from having no child all her life to having one child that through him would come many children. And it's interesting because Abraham's name is a very interesting story in itself. His original name was Abram. God likes to change people's names. You know, Saul became Paul. Simon became Peter, right? Mm -hmm. So Abram in Hebrew means father. Okay. He had no kids. Can you be imagined? Can you? It would be like me being named handsome. <laughs> Lived all my life. Nobody has ever accused me of that. So he's Abram, father, but he has no kids. Mm -hmm. And then God calls him to come out of Ur, go to this land. And he says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of many. And he still doesn't have a kid. My goodness. So he doesn't have a kid until Isaac is born. And then God tells him through him, I'm going to bring to pass this promise. Okay. So he must have known something and he had the faith to believe God. So this whole chapter mentions faithful people, Sarah, Abraham, Noah, Abel, the first brother, right? Mm -hmm. And others. And in verse 13, we read, these all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, all of them. All of the godly people that are mentioned here didn't see themselves as citizens of the world. They saw themselves as strangers and pilgrims. Yeah. Verse 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know, if you moved to California, you didn't like it, you moved back, right? Very true. <laughs> Verse 16, but now... They desire a better country, that is, an heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Well, what is that city? It's the New Jerusalem. So they've all along somehow by faith known through God's Holy Spirit, even before it was written down, that God was going to provide a city and a new heaven and a new earth. That amazes me. That is. And they looked for that the whole time. Because they kind of figured, they figured it out a long time ago. And here in America, we're still trying to figure it out. The things in this life are temporal. Yes. And you can have all the toys and all the bells and whistles, but you're still going to die. And Very you can't true. take it with you. So we should be setting our affections on things that are heavenly and that are eternal. And these individuals were able to do that thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about this city and this heaven is that it's for resurrected bodies. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week. We didn't go into much detail, but we're not just going to be floating around like little angels with wings. Yeah. We're not ghosty sort of ethereal mm -hmm. vapors that come and go. Mm -hmm. You're going to be you. I'm going to be me. You can, you can touch and hold a lion. You can embrace your kids or your mom, whatever. We're going to feel and eat and, and rejoice and weep and laugh and play guitars and build houses and whatever. <laughs> so it's a physical thing. Okay. So we need a body that's real. It's going to be better than what we have, 
but it's going to be real. So we have things in the Old Testament that even allude to that. Okay, so somewhere along the line, we got astray from the word of God and we started thinking of we're just a bunch of spirits in heaven, you know, which to me is like a ghost. Well, no, your ghost needs a body. Mm -hmm. The spirit needs a body. So Job knew that oldest book in the Bible, Job chapter 19. And he said in verse 26, and though after my skin, worms destroy this body, he, he expected to die and the worms would eat him up someday, you know. Yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And reins is R-E-I-N-S. Um, that's actually an old English word, word for the kidneys. And so like when you talk about renal therapy or whatever, reins is kidney, related to the kidney. But it was a picture of the internals. So basically it was saying... Even when worms eat me up and I'm nothing but dust. You know, the worms ate me and they poop me out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's nothing left but molecules, right? I'm going to see God in my flesh. Now, how is that possible? If you get consumed and you've completely decomposed, how are you going to stand up someday and see God? Well, the only answer is resurrection. Yeah. Right? And in the very verse before that, he said, and this is what really gets me, verse 25, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. Who is the Redeemer in the Bible? Well, it's Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, Job lived thousands of years before Jesus. So I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And then he mentions this, I shall see God in my flesh. So Job believed in resurrection. He knew about resurrection. And one thing that people don't realize about heaven and resurrection is that to the Jews and the Hebrews of the Old Testament, it never entered their mind that they would die and go up to be with God in heaven. They have no concept of that. It's never written in the scriptures. All they ever imagined was that one day they would come up in resurrection to stand on the earth and God would come down to them, which is exactly what happens in the end of the Bible, right? Okay. So we, all, we do go up to be with the Lord when we die right now as saved individuals will be there, but it is a temporary place. It is called the intermediate heaven or the present heaven. And we'll get more details to that probably in the next episode. Okay. okay. So for now we know that Job believed that he was going to see God. And then in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, back to that great faith chapter where we were talking about Abraham, one of the other things that Abraham did was after God finally did give him a son when he was very old and his name was Isaac, God turned around and said, okay, now I want you to kill him. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he told Abraham, I'm going to test you. I want you to go sacrifice your only son to me. And Abraham said, okay. That's right. Didn't he make um, Isaiah carry the wood? I don't remember exactly how. You're right. You're exactly right. The wood that he was going to like lay him across on a on the fire to sacrifice him. That's right. And and I know you said Isaiah, but you meant Isaac, that, right? Yes, yeah. I meant Isaac. Yeah, and I only say that to clarify for people that are listening because I know somebody's going to go. Wait a minute, you know. But <laughs> but Isaac was uh, basically told to carry the very wood for his own sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And and remember, they're carrying it. They're walking out to the place. They left the servants with the stuff. Yes. And they're walking. And he's saying, well, okay, Father, I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? 
And right? then is he telling like, you are the lamb? Right. That's when Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we read sort of a summary of all that in okay. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, put to the test, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So it's important to know. Abraham knows that for God to fulfill the promises, they're going to come through Isaac. And here's God telling him to go kill Isaac or offer him a sacrifice. And Abraham would think, wait a minute, why would you do that, God? How can the promises ever be fulfilled if I kill my son? But verse 19 says, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So we know then that Abraham believed in resurrection because he knew that God was faithful. He won't break his promise. If he wants me to kill Isaac, I'll do it. Because I know he's going to turn right around and raise him from the dead. Mm -hmm. And he ended up staying his hand and saying, you don't have to kill him at all. I know that you're faithful. I know you do what I would say. And remember, if we talked about this before, it was God. uh, Abraham was a type of God the Father. Isaac is a type of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So the beautiful picture in there is when he asked him, where's the sacrifice? Where's the ram? Um, Abraham's answer to him was, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. He didn't say God himself will provide a lamb. Mm -hmm. The way it's worded is is he would himself be the sacrifice. And behold, Jesus Christ was born and he was called the Lamb of God. Yes. So it's a beautiful picture. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the great chapter on resurrection. You want any questions answered about resurrection, that's the chapter to read. God, by the Spirit, gave to Paul the, the final word on resurrection. So he goes into great detail about it, the proof of Christ's resurrection, what it's going to be like in resurrection, Mm -hmm. on and on. So we'll start in verse 12 where he said, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? I mean, if Christ isn't raised, there's no resurrection. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. It's almost like he's having to say it so simply, (laughs) you know, that even a child could get it. Mm -hmm. If the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, which means empty, worthless, useless. Your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Fallen asleep is a euphemism for death. So all of the saints, all of the believers that have ever died, they died in vain. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So clearly, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then we're wasting our time. But there has to be a resurrection of the dead or the Bible would be untrue. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about why we have to be resurrected in a physical body to go into that city next week. What? Not this <laughs> week? Yep. We're going to save it because if we get into it now, we're going to run long again. I ran a little long on the last two episodes, so I'm going to cut this one short and give you guys a break. 35 minutes to get your workout in while you're listening. <laughs> And so we covet that you come back next week and listen to episode 37, and we'll talk more about the heavenly city and New Jerusalem. 
Ooh, very much exciting. Well, thank you guys as always for listening. Um, please like and subscribe, share. Always, we love that you guys interact with us down in the comment section. So please comment anything new that you found interesting about our podcast or something that you would like us to go over with. And as always, Thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. And once again, keep on the lookout for some alerts. We'll be giving some uh, notifications about an event where we're going to live stream and answer some questions right there in Facebook. Yes, so don't miss it. Don't miss it. And thanks again. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to biblemysteries.supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.